There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Listeners should refer to the disclaimer in the episode notes and at the end of this podcast. And so that's why the shape of curves is really important. Because if you're getting paid a lot more out at 10 years than you are at one day, you have a pretty strong incentive to lend. But if you have a flat curve, so it's the same rate at one day as 10 years, you don't have a very strong incentive to lend to Phil or Julian. Mm. You don't have any incentive. And, and then if it goes negative, so if the curve inverts, you have a disincentive to lend. And that's precisely what's happening. G'day and welcome back to Equity ASA, brought to you by the Australian Shareholders Association. I'm Phil Muscatello. Today I'm pleased to welcome back to the microphone Julian McCormack from Platinum Asset Management. Hello Julian. G'day Phil. Thanks for dropping around. My pleasure. We're calling this episode Shifting Sands, based on your recent presentation at the Virtual Investor Summit, which is going to be available soon for investors if they're interested in finding out more. So it's about the cycle, and you seem to think that the cycle has changed um, irreversibly at the moment. Tell us about that. Well, yeah, the cycle is doing what cycles do, Phil. So remember, three years ago, uh, everyone was very certain that interest rates would be very low. There was no threat of inflation in the forever, system. Forever. Forever. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. mate. Exactly. Yeah. And there was this... Secular stagnation was the term for it. And the funny thing about these economic systems that we operate in is nothing is secular. You know, it's all cyclical. So what has transpired in terms of inflation, I think it's pretty obvious for everybody. I think the penny has dropped that it's not going away quickly. And now, you know, markets and not just people have to get used to quite a different environment in which to in which to operate so that that that's what i mean by you know shifting sands or that that the sand has shifted perhaps and um you also mentioned in the presentation that we've seen the implosion of the greatest equity bubble of all time tell us about that yeah it's it's possibly not the greatest equity bubble of all time that'd probably be japan in the 80s but it, it's a broader bubble than that because it's an everything bubble so so it, it you know it's, it's right up there so just consider, you know, we had this incredible behaviour of bonds through the, the, the last cycle. And I, I think it's fair to say when you get the lowest rates in, say, 5,000 years of organised sort of human commercial existence, you've probably got a fair old bond bubble. You've had a spectacular housing market bubble as well. So Aussies will be really familiar with that, but they might be a bit surprised to know that US home prices on average are up about 40% in two years 
vastly eclipsing what happened pre-GFC. And then you have this pretty stellar equity market bubble as well. But notable, it, it is really limited to the States. There's a few other markets globally that have done very well. So India's done very well. Uh, Switzerland did very well. But, but what just happened over the last cycle with US equities versus the rest of the world, ex-US equities, is, is pretty unusual. So, so it is, it's matched by a couple of events. Again, Japan in the 80s surpasses it in terms of, in terms of how incredible that outperformance was. And funny enough, uh, China pre-07 did a sort of milder version of it as well. China had a real equity market bubble 15 years ago. But what, what just happened, I think people got used to and so therefore lost sight of the fact that it could be pretty cyclical. So, so US equities outperformed the rest of the world by something like 250%. Mm. And just think about the Aussie market, which you know enjoyed reasonable times. But we got back to where we got to 15 years ago. The states uh, tripled that. Mm. So, so, the, so the S&P got to 1,500-ish points um, 15 years ago instead of 07, 08. And then, and then proceeded to rocket up towards, you know, just on 5,000, just shy of 5,000. So put that another way, if we had that kind of performance, you'd be talking about an Aussie market that had just hit 21,000, mm, mm. not, not seven. Yeah, it's interesting that, isn't it? I've got a line, I've got a chart, and I've just kept a line there where you can see the peak, I think. Was it in 07, 07 08? Sure was. And, you know, we're just still sort of around about that level. That's right. It's, it's astonishing, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's right. And as always with these things, it, 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 it becomes normal or normalized. And people assume that the drivers of the performance, both in earnings and in pricing of those earnings, are secular or permanent or, you know, as we were saying mm. before. Mm. And this then relates back to what I mean by what we mean by this cycle has changed. So it is very, very unlikely that you can price things as highly in an inflationary environment as you did just three years ago in a non-inflationary environment. Now that we have the diminution or the reversal of the largest peacetime stimulus in human history. So markets have become obsessed with interest rates and inflation and and that's a pretty poor place to dedicate all of your attention. That That's pretty obvious. So that's sort of the market's prevailing bias is, is how Soros would say it. But there's a whole lot more going on here. And I mean, it's just worth asking people to remember, we had zero interest rates for a decade and economies didn't do very much. You know, the real world didn't go nuts. Asset prices did. So home prices did okay, bond prices were fine, equity prices were, were, were very strong, you know, as we just discussed before. But we didn't get this sort of surge in economic activity. And, and what just happened, and I'll limit my comments to the States because it's a market I know, you know reasonably well, is pretty unusual. So in the last two years, from not, and I don't mean from the bottom, I'm not being cheeky and saying from the bottom of the COVID dip. From the March 20. Yeah, 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 no, no. I, I mean from, say, the end of 2019. Mm. U.S. retail sales went up just under 30%. Mm. Imports went up 40%. Corporate earnings went up 50%. And new business formation went up 60%. From the end of the longest peacetime economic expansion, mm. not from the trough of a recession or a depression, that is pretty unbelievable uh, stuff. Well, believe it, it happened. It's pretty incredible or amazing. So 
what's happening now is the reversal of all of those drivers. So you're going from the largest peacetime stimulus in history, so an incremental 8% of GDP held in place for two years, roughly, in, in budget deficits, fully monetized by a central bank. So, so they, they didn't make us pay for it. This is the thing. You, 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 if you issue a bond, someone's got to pay for it. Mm. So, so usually, th- this is this is why people sort of get a bit confused about deficits and surpluses. And this is a cycle, isn't it, where they they, they sell the bonds to the central banks? That's right. That's, so that's, that's what this whole works, isn't it? that's yeah. what this yeah. whole quantitative just a circular little. That's right. That's what this whole quantitative easing thing is. Yeah. It's, it, it's the it's the uh, initially it was a lowering of rates for almost no other purpose because we didn't do any fiscal stimulus of yeah. any great note after mm. about 2010, basically globally, and that's what I mean by not much happened in the real economy. Then at the end of that long, slow expansion, then we got this stimulus in response to a very real event. I mean, mm. it, it's mm. not by way of criticism. It just is what it is. Then we got this enormous stimulus printed or posted, and that was given away for free in, in terms of that was monetized by or, or paid for by the central bank. So none of us, no corporates, no banks no individuals, had to go and buy those bonds, which presumably would have forced rates up. If you're going to increase the deficit by just on 20% over two years, you would think that that would raise rates, but it didn't mm. be- because of this central bank action. So so that whole combination of things is all reversing all at the same time. And it, all these things operate on a lag. So remember, until this time last year, the Fed Reserve was saying this is transitory, mm. inflation's transitory. And and by the way, I, I have a bit of sympathy for them. So if you look at labor market participation and the the slovenliness of that economic expansion, you could tell yourself a story that a, a sort of shock, a positive shock to that economy mm. could induce people to come back into the labor market. So labor market participation in the States is about 60. It's about 66 on average across Australia, New Zealand, Canada, a bit higher in Germany. So you can see how there's a difference there, but but that hasn't happened. Mm. All that's happened is the labor market's got incredibly tight and that has led to this very different environment now. And it's possible that it is transitory. It's possible that inflation drops back out of the system and we're all good. And that's what markets are wanting to believe. That's why there's such obsession with rates and inflation. And anytime there's a little tick down in inflation, suddenly markets are going yeah, to a exactly. wild, wild spin. Oh, exactly. Yeah. It's, it's like Caro on the fire. Mm. The problem with that, though, is be careful what you wish for. Mm. Be careful what you wish for. And what do I mean by that? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what, what do you mean by that? Central banks... Uh, so so the, the Fed was cutting rates from about December 2000 through to 2003. Mm. And the S&P halved, and the Nasdaq went down by 80%. Uh, central banks were cutting from late 07, early 08, all the way through to 09, and the S&P halved, right? Mm. So once you get into... So, so in general, cutting cycles can be really bad for markets. Mm. And so what's being assumed at the moment by markets is sort of the following... We've got full employment. The consumer's fine. This economy will just keep ticking. And somehow, magically, the central bank that was telling us 
one year ago that the strongest inflationary push in 40 years was transitory. Somehow they are now omniscient and can thread the needle. That's pretty incredible. Mm. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. In your presentation, you talk about historical examples of markets tracking sideways for long periods of time. Are they related to those uh, periods in time as well? Yeah, that's a great question because I don't want to give anyone the impression that this is the end of the world. This could just be a long, slow grind sideways for for years. Mm. So the late 40s is a pretty good analogue in, in one limited sense. That was the other great fiscal stimulus, in inverted commas, and then contraction. And when the world, I say world, stimulus... World War Two, World War Stim- II. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's right. It's exactly how we funded World War Two. So, you know, it's funny, but uh, there, there's always a sense that everything's novel, but there's mm-hmm. nothing new under the sun. World War Two was funded by QE. Mm. It just wasn't called QE. It was called war bonds. So, But it wasn't under that circular system we were talking was. about before. It, it exactly was. Oh, it, it was, exactly wasn't it? Was, but yeah. weren't people, ordinary people, buying war bonds as the, well? The, they did. Patriotically? But it was, but it was underwritten by the Federal Reserve. Mm -hmm. So uh, the Federal Reserve lost its independence as a central bank. So this is not a new idea? It's not a new idea at all. Mm. No, no, it was happening in Japan uh, Mm -hmm. much earlier. So it happened in Japan in in what's called the Takahashi intervention from sort of 29 through 34. Mm -hmm. And they were out of the Depression by 34. It sort of happened in Germany as well. It sort Mm. of happened in Italy as well. So suspension of the gold standard, debasement Mm. of the lira and and the Reichsmark, and, and then that very much happened in the States where the Fed bought unlimited issuance at 1% at one year and 2% at 10 years. And it did it all the way through to 51. Mm. So, yeah, these, these things are not new. So what happened in the late 40s is, is kind of instructive. You had a five-year grinding bear market. Uh, corporate profits went down by about 25%. Uh, the market fell by about 30%. The difference there... We've already mentioned that the Fed was buying bonds guaranteed or, or, or they didn't even need to. They, mm. they just Everybody knew that the price was one at one year and two at 10 years. Mm. And if it didn't get bought by the market, it was underwritten by the Fed, point one. And point two, you're in the middle of one of the great bear markets of all time, the post-29 bear market, which didn't make a new high until 53. So the PE of the market in 46, 47 was 11. And a comparable PE today would be sort of 25. It's come off a bit, so call it, you know, maybe it's 20 today. But the, the earnings are pretty ropey. So 
we'll, we'll see how that plays out. So much, much lower valuations in that period and an incredibly different monetary setup um, mm. as well. And even in that environment with, with the central bank not being restrictive, actually being incredibly accommodative, even in that environment, you went from 10% CPI, so, so 10% inflation, as we call it, to a negative 3% within about three years. Mm. So, again, people just have to be pretty careful what they wish for. <laughs> um, it's, it's very difficult to control inflation. It's devilishly hard to control deflation. So I'm not saying, we're not saying that's inevitable, but it's certainly a risk. It's certainly a risk. And you also make the point that it's very difficult to value equities in an inflationary environment. Yeah, that's yeah. right. And mm. there's a whole lot of myths about inflation, most importantly, that it pertains to something called stagflation. Mm. There's no such thing as stagflation. If you go back and look at the 70s, the US grew at zero or five percent real with four to eight percent inflation in the system for most of the decade. So it grew really fast. Mm. It actually mm. grew really fast, but it was hugely volatile. Mm. So that's that's sort of the nub of the issue. That's exactly what Powell was talking about at Jackson Hole a couple of months ago. That speech was actually very good. It's not just the rate of inflation, because because think about it. If if it were, if it were the case that everything, the price of everything went up altogether by eight percent. It wouldn't be that big a problem, but that's not what happens. Some things go up by 50% and some things go up by two and other things mm. will go down in price. So, so that, that's what happens in inflationary environments. You get this massive variability, volatility of prices between different things, commodities or goods or services, and over time. And then, well, how do I value a future promise in, in that environment? It gets really difficult. So... There just isn't any history of high valuations being paid for equities amid high periods of, of inflation that, that the multiples contract um, mm. really seriously. Yeah, I was speaking to another guest who was feeling sorry for the, um, the analysts in this period where they've got to go in every day and the, the discount rate that they have to apply to equity values is just changing so so quickly, yeah, yeah, exactly. Which I, which I think is pretty sharp practice. I mean, if people really think that the value of money sustainably got to zero, mm. you can pay infinity. And if it went negative, well, that's devilishly difficult because <laughs> that's an error term. <laughs> so that's what I mean by cycles. You know, the the sense that money had no value, mm. well, that's pretty difficult in a capitalist system. That, mm. that, that tends to stuff everything up. Yeah. So that experiment in, in driving interest rates to zero, and indeed negative, um, I think that'll be looked back on as one of the great befuddlements of all time in terms of economic history. Mm. What on earth were they thinking? And what do I mean by that? In concrete terms, we live in a system where money is created in the banking system. Mm. It, it, it's not a frac fractional thing. It, it, it doesn't, that, they don't take a deposit and lend against a deposit. If you go and get a loan, so think about getting a mortgage. When you go and get a mortgage, 
you go, you get approved, you go through the rigmarole and do all that, and they just credit your account. The money is created. Mm-hmm. It, 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 it's not, they don't need a deposit to do it against. It is just created. They have to do that with regard to a reserving system, um, which is monitored by the central bank. But the pure monetary creation for the vast majority of the money happens in the banking system. But so why does it occur in the banking system? Because banks have an incentive to do it because they borrow short and they lend long. And so that's why the shape of curves is really important. Because if you're getting paid a lot more out at 10 years than you are at one day, you have a pretty strong incentive to lend. But if you have a flat curve, so it's the same rate at one day as 10 years, you don't have a very strong incentive to lend to Phil or Julian. Mm. You don't have any incentive. And, and then if it goes negative, so if the curve inverts, you have a disincentive to lend. And that's precisely what's happening. That is precisely what's happening right now. So senior loan officer survey data in the States for the last two quarters, the, the, the um, most recent quarter was released about three days ago, shows a, a very strong net tightening of credit conditions in that economy to small businesses, to large businesses, and to consumers. And that's exactly what you'd expect with an inversion of the yield curve. So people bang on about the yield curve, mm. and it sounds like it's magical. It predicts something. It doesn't predict anything. It makes it happen. Mm. It makes it happen because that incentive to lend. Back to the QE thing. What they did was to flatten the curve and lower it. And so what you did was take credit creation, the incentive for credit creation back out of the banking system. That's a pretty good way to have a pretty poor expansion, which is exactly what happened. Mm. So what are your thoughts on any upcoming recession? Uh, Very, very, very likely. Very likely? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't know the Australian economy or market very well. Your listeners will probably be more familiar with it than me. But we'll have a milder version, I would have assumed, than what's what's um, playing out in the states and you know the shape of curves, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, sort of tells you that. Mm. But also, you know, we have a floating currency and we're very trade trade exposed, and our terms of trade are you know reasonable. You know, iron ore has come off a lot, coal is very strong, and energy remains very strong, and our dollar is very weak. So we'll we'll, we'll get through. I, I think it'll be very uncomfortable but not the end of the world. But yeah, pretty strong recessionary conditions probably felt through the consumption channel because we're all going to feel a bit poorer because the equity markets come off a whole heap. So sorry, you mean the, the consumption channel is just um, ordinary punters buying? Yeah, just buying just, stocks, uh, buying, just buying stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so when we feel good about the world, regardless mm. of what we're earning, we, we spend more. Mm. So, so, you know, that's the wealth effect. Because we feel, well, you know, my income's X, but oh, it's fine because the house has gone up two million bucks in five years, and and my crypto's all doing great, and the market's all good, so I'll just spend more. Oh, don't mention crypto. <laughs> no, no. Right. So, so now reverse all that. Mm-hmm. Even for a given level of income, people consume less. So that's that's going to happen. That's happening. I, I would assume. I would assume. Mm. The states is a much stronger version of that. I think. I think. So very, very significant exposure to equities at the household level, highest of all time. Mm. Very significant correction underway in equities as well. And, and, a, and a really historic inversion of the yield curve, which forward, forwards, you know, the futures market indicates is, is prevailing, will prevail for over a year. I mean, that's early 80s style stuff. Mm. Mm. And so that's pretty hard work. Now, it's not a crisis. It's just a bear market. So anyone who lived through the early 80s, anyone who lived through the early 90s, 
anyone who lived through the early 2000s. That's what I'm talking about. It's not a crisis. It's not the GFC. It's not the end of the world. It's not, you know, it's, you know, nihil desperandum est. But, but it is time to be pretty concerned about capital preservation. And I, I, I wouldn't give anyone advice about what to do with their own money, but make sure they're not overextended. You know, if you have debt make sure you have some cash to get through tough times. Mm. Because, let me put it another way, it is very, very difficult to imagine central banks can lower the rate of inflation from where it is without unemployment going up a lot, a lot. So average hourly earnings in the States have never got above 5 5.5% year on year, back below 3 without a 10% unemployment rate, mm. right? So that's what I mean. That's difficult. It is not time to be thinking, oh, this is great. Let's go and punt on whatever. Even, even though the, the jobs market seems so strong at the moment. Yeah, this is the, this is the trick. Yeah. The, the jobs market is always tightest just as we go into recession. Mm. Always. That's what causes the recession. And there's a, bit of a, there's, a, there's a bit of a power dynamic here. When you get, this is why economists bang on about a uh, wage cost spiral, which could, which should really be called a cost wage spiral because the costs move first and then the wages catch up. That's exactly what's happening. That's exactly what has happened. Once that happens, you actually have to discipline labor. Sadly, that's mm. what happens. Mm. Once it creeps into people's expectations that I can ask for more money next year than this year. That's what economists are obliquely referring to when they talk about, oh, it's really a worry when you get a, a cost-wage spiral, right? That's what they mean. So and you call it a cost-wage spiral rather yeah. than the other way around. Yeah, yeah. because co- the costs move first. Mm. Mm. And, and, the, and the difficulty with that or the, just the inherent nature of that is, well, mate, I'm not going to cop it. You know, the bloke down the road selling coffee for 50 cents more and the bread cost me two bucks more than it did a year ago and my flights cost double <laughs> and the power bills were just and the power out. bills are going through the roof <laughs> yeah. but mm. you want me mm. as a wage earner not to earn anymore so we can control inflation sod that buddy mm-hmm. and then the other myth we told ourselves about inflation was it wasn't possible to get a really uh, a serious wage um, push inflation because there's no unions in the system mm-hmm. well you don't need to have solidarity to get a higher wage you just quit mm. So that's what we've seen in so in the states they publish a series called the Jolts. I, I can't remember what it stands it stands with like job openings leave and something something. But it's just the number of job openings to the number of people leaving jobs. It just went to an absolute screaming record high mm. and remains at an awesomely high level relative to its history. Why? Because of that exact dynamic that there's no unionization, sure, but I know I can go and earn more money down the road. So you can stick your job, mate. I'm off down there. That's that, that's what's happening in this system. So we do have very, very significant wage push inflation in the system. And if people want to go and check that, they can go and check the Atlanta Fed wage tracker. Mm. Um, which you've got the graph in your presentation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Which um, which actually ticked up in the latest monthly observation, which is a th- which is a three month moving average. But that that ticked up last month. Mm. So it's it's nice to get a bit of relief from all the gloom and markets can rally on on what seems like good news about inflation, it's a really tough fight. It takes a long time. Mm. Well, 
I can commend listeners to have a look at the presentation. And if you did go to the Virtual Investor Summit and haven't missed it, and depending on when you're listening to this podcast, it will be coming available soon and or it will have already become available and you'll get the email about it. Otherwise, I think in December, um, it's going to be available for general purchase as well. So I commend it because there's far more detail in that presentation that we've been able to cover here today. Thanks, Phil. Yeah, Julian, thank you very much for joining me today. Always a pleasure to talk to you. This information has been prepared by Platinum Investment Management Limited, ABN 25063565006, AFSL 221935. Trading is Platinum Asset Management. This information is general in nature and does not take into account your specific needs or circumstances. You should consider your own financial position, objectives and requirements and seek professional financial advice before making any financial decisions. Commentary reflects Platinum's views and beliefs at the time of preparation, which is subject to change without notice. Certain information contained in this podcast constitutes forward-looking statements. Due to various risks and uncertainties, actual events or results may differ materially from those reflected or contemplated in such forward-looking statements, and no undue reliance should be placed on those forward-looking statements. To the extent permitted by law, no liability is accepted by Platinum for any loss or damage as a result of any reliance on this information. This podcast is for information and educational purposes only. It isn't financial advice as we don't know your personal financial situation, so you shouldn't buy or sell any investments based on what you've heard here. Any opinion or commentary is the view of the speaker only. This podcast doesn't replace professional advice regarding your personal financial needs, circumstances, or current situation. Your personal info, like addresses, phone numbers, and more, are collected and sold by data brokers. But Aura steps in, scanning the web, sending you alerts, and requesting your info be removed. Get Aura's full toolkit, including credit and transaction monitoring, a password manager, VPN, and more. Get a 14-day free trial at aura.com safety. That's A-U-R-A dot safety.